2 Timothy chapter number 3. It is so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. Pray the Lord's blessings upon you. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 10. The Apostle Paul writes and says in verse 10, But you have carefully, speaking to Timothy, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, in Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Verse 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, speaking to Tim- Timothy, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are thankful, Lord, for this day that you have given us, Lord, to worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, we pray, Lord, you would continue to bless those that are here. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use me, Lord, to uh, be of an encouragement as we think about this passage of Scripture. And Father, I pray that, uh, Lord, that you would impart truth. I pray, God, that those that are here this morning that may not uh, have uh, a right relationship with you, they need to be saved. And Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would draw them to your Son, Jesus, and gloriously save them today. Father, we love you, and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to speak to you on this thought this morning. Continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Here we have in our passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, young Timothy. And Paul is writing this letter while Paul is in prison in Rome. He's under house arrest. Paul himself is awaiting persecution, or excuse me, he's awaiting execution. And he's awaiting the time that he is going to be uh, martyred for his faith in Jesus Christ. And he gives Timothy this exhortation. He gives Timothy this instruction that is as relevant today as it was the day that Paul dipped his writing quill in ink and penned these words almost 2,000 years ago. Verse 14 really is the, the premise of this particular passage of Scripture where it says to continue in the things which you have learned and have been assur- assured of. So again, I want to speak to you this morning on this thought, continue in the faith. Listen, beloved, the Christian faith 
the Christian faith is one where we must be reminded time and time again. We must be reminded and exhorted to persevere, to endure, to continue in the faith, to stay firm in the faith. And what is it that we're to... What is it we are to stand firm on? Are we to stand firm on our own ability? No, we're not to stand firm on maybe any knowledge that we may have uh, gained in our church life or whatever it might be. No, beloved, we are called to stand firm on the Word of God. We're called to stand firm on the unshakable, unmovable, unbreakable word of God. That is our foundation upon which we stand. I love the old hymn where it says, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Oh, beloved, listen, in a world where truth is often relative, in a world where uh, morality today is subjective, God's Word is the standard of all absolute truth. In a world that is marked by the shifting sands of time, cultural changes and all those things, listen, the great need of the hour is for God's people to persevere, to endure, to continue in the faith. And so the heart of this text, the, really the theme of this text, is seen in verse 14 where he says to continue. Uh, we could say it like this. Paul is saying to Timothy, keep on keeping on. Amen? Keep on keeping on. And so in our passage of Scripture, we'll see not only the difficulties that Christians will face in this life, but we'll see just how God has given us the tools needed to continue on in the faith, even despite living in these difficult days. Uh, notice three things this morning. Number one, continue to do what you know is scripturally right. You need to continue to do what you know is scripturally right. Now, it's very, very interesting in verse 10. It starts off by Paul commending Timothy. He's commending young Timothy. Verse 10 says, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, the manner of life, my conduct, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. So Paul is commending Timothy here by way of contrasting Timothy's lifestyle with those that he has previously mentioned in verses 6 through 9 where Paul describes the corrupt nature of the false teachers and their evil methods of deceiving people. We see this in the, verse, the first two words of verse 10, where it says, but you. The conjunction but is, is making a contrast where he's shifting the focus from the negative examples of false teachers that he's mentioned previously to Timothy, and his, he's emphasizing Timothy's commendable behavior, and he's contrasting that from the carnal behavior of the false teachers. And so Paul is saying something like this. He's saying, but you, Timothy, 
you're not like those that I previously described. You're different. You are pursuing the things of God. You're not pursuing evil schemes. You're not pursuing how to deceive people. You're pursuing the things of God. Timothy, keep doing those things. Now, why did Timothy pursue after these things? Well, because Timothy followed the example of a godly man. He followed the example of a godly man. And listen, that's what every one of us need to do. We need to, if you're taking notes, this is sub-point A. We need to follow the example of godly saints. Follow the example of godly saints. Paul says to Timothy, you carefully followed me. You've carefully followed my life. That is, you followed me closely closely. Paul says, Timothy, you followed my beliefs. You followed my teachings. You followed my behavior. And you know me so well. You know my heart. You know my aim. You know my purpose. And Timothy, you know my purpose was not to gain in filthy lucre, not to gain monetarily. My purpose was not to receive the glory of man Timothy, you know my purpose was to glorify our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And no doubt, Paul told told Timothy the same thing he told the Corinthian believers, where Paul said to them, you follow me as I follow after Christ. You follow me as I follow after Christ. So listen, this right here, is pastoral ministry 101. This is pastoral ministry. And really, we could say that pastoral ministry could be summed up as a pastor shepherd who follows Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, and then he beckons the sheep to come along. And so Paul says to Timothy, hey, you've witnessed the fruit, the the blessed fruit of the Spirit in my ministry. You've seen my faith. And that word faith there would be better rendered to say, you've seen my faithfulness. You've seen my faithfulness. He says, you've seen the long suffering that I have shown. You've seen the patience that I've shown. If you'll read uh, all the struggles that Paul had with the Corinthian church, (laughs) you'll see very quickly how patient and long suffering Paul was with those believers. He says to Timothy, you've uh, seen the love, the agape love that I have uh, uh, bestowed upon others. You've seen the perseverance, my endurance. Timothy, you've witnessed the blessed fruit of the spirit of my ministry. But Timothy, you've also seen the bitter fruit, the bitter fruit of suffering. Verse 11, persecutions. Timothy, you've noticed my persecutions, plural, my afflictions, plural, which happened to me. And he mentions these three different locations. At Antioch, Paul, was, Paul faced horrible Jewish opposition where they threatened his life. They uh, had him leave town. In Iconium, uh, it was both the Jews and the Gentiles that were threatening to, uh, to kill the Apostle Paul. Then in Lystra, they actually stoned Paul and left him for dead. 
And he's saying, hey, look, you know of the afflictions and the persecutions that have uh, come my way. And you know all the things that I endured. But Paul says, you also have seen how the Lord delivered me from them all. Amen? And so listen to me, beloved. We should follow godly examples. We should follow godly examples. Another thing that Paul uh, tells Timothy is prepare for an increase of suffering. Prepare for an increase of suffering. Verse 12 tells us this. He says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now that is a verse that is not often preached today, is it? That's not a verse that's oftentimes mentioned. This is not a verse normally that a children's Sunday school class is going to memorize and then recite before the whole church. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It's not mentioned much. It's not spoke about much, but it is true nonetheless that those who desire, those who are determined to live for Christ will suffer persecution. He's saying this, Timothy, you don't have to look for trouble. Trouble is going to find you. It will find you. You don't have to go look for persecution. Persecution, the persecutors, will find you. The, the term uh, suffer persecution means to pursue aggressively. A.T. Robertson uh, said it like this, that it is like being hunted down like wild beasts. He said all those who desire, all those who are determined to live for Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. And we know that persecution comes in various forms. We're not all going to be locked up in prison. We're not all going to be martyred as the Apostle Paul was. But more than likely at some point in your life, if you are living a godly life, if you are determined to live a godly life, you will at least suffer some various forms of persecution, whether it be just verbal abuse from your family, from your friends or a co-worker because of the stand you might be taking. You may be ostracized from your family members, your friends and co-workers because of who you love and who you follow. But we all will be persecuted to some degree. Now, verse 13, Paul says, but evil men. Now, I like the way the ESV renders this verse. It starts out by saying, while. And instead of a period at the end of verse 12, there is a comma connecting then verse 12 and 13. And so in essence, verses 12 through 13 in the ESV would say something like this, you will suffer persecution. You will be persecuted, comma, while evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, there are these two verses, verses 12 and 13, show the differing tra trajectories for the righteous and the, the scope and the reach of those who are the wicked. In verse 12, we see that the path for the righteous is a path of persecution. All those who live godly, who desire to live godly, will suffer persecution. So that's one 
trajectory. The other is this, the path for the wicked is something quite different. The evil men, the evil imposters, those hypocrites, in the short term, they're going to prosper. Believers in the short term are going to suffer persecution. So just as Paul is warning and preparing Timothy for what uh, would lie ahead for the believer, the inspired writings of Paul call for us to be prepared for the trials that we will face. He's saying bad times are coming. Hard times are already here. And so the Apostle Paul here is not... He's not uh, painting a, a very rosy picture at all of the, of the future of the church, okay? The, the Apostle Paul is not saying that the church is going to rise to heaven on flowery beds of ease. No, the opposite is what he's saying. He's saying, Timothy, you're, you will have to defend the faith. You will have to endure evil men and impostors. And all their evil methods. And beloved, listen, you will have to defend the faith. You will have to stand by faith for the faith in which you believe. But even if we suffer some degree of persecution, guess what? We are not above our master, are we? We're not above our master. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will also, what? Persecute you. Uh, Philippians 1.29, Paul said this, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And then in 1 John, he said, Hey, do not marvel, do not be surprised, my brethren, if the world hates you. You just continue to do what you know is scripturally right. That's what Paul is saying. Now, later, Paul would remind Timothy that this is not the way it's going to end ultimately, right? Now, Paul has, in previous verses in this book, Paul mentions Timothy's tears. He said, hey, I'm mindful of your tears. Now, why was Timothy crying? Well, Timothy was crying because, no doubt, his mentor, his father in the faith, he knew was about to lose his life. He was about to... Uh, be executed. And for those reasons, Timothy is crying. You're, there's tears. But also, Timothy knows if they're going to do that to my mentor, my father in the faith, then this is coming for me as well. And so Paul says, I am mindful of your tears. But this is not the way it's going to end. You, you will recall in chapter 4, the next chapter, Paul says, Hey, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Hallelujah for that. This is not the way it's going to end. Ultimately, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And I love this part. Not for me only, Timothy, but for all who love my appearing. Hallelujah for that. But Timothy, in the meantime, you continue to do what you know is scripturally right. Second thing I want you to notice, continue, Timothy, to defend what you know is biblically true. Continue to, to defend what you know is biblically true. As we saw in verse 10, we have yet another conjunctional contrast. Verse 14 says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, 
but you. Contrasting here from what he's mentioned in verse 13 of those evil men and impostors, you continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And so in essence, Timothy was called to continue to embrace in the authority of Scripture. Continue to embrace in the authority of Scripture. Now the question is this, where did Timothy develop his convictions? Where did Timothy develop his uh, convictions that the Bible is the authoritative Word of God? How did Timothy, how was he convinced that this is correct? Well, number one, underneath that would be Timothy's, think about this, Timothy's godly heritage. Timothy's godly heritage. Verse 14, continue in the things which you have learned, knowing from whom. And that word in the Greek, whom, is plural, knowing from whom. You have learned this from the Apostle Paul. You have learned this from your mother and your grandmother. Paul mentions this previously. You've learned this from the apostles as you have studied the Scripture. Verse 15, it says, In that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. And so this teaches us that uh, Timothy had a very strong godly heritage where his mother and his grandmother, Eunice and, and, and Lois, invested in him the Word of God. They poured into Timothy the Word of God. They taught him the Word. So this underscores the, the importance of parental biblical teaching and that responsibility we have of teaching our children the Word of God. So Timothy could, in, he could continue to embrace what he knew, and that was the authority of Scripture. Another thing that developed Timothy's convictions and why he was convinced that the Word of God was true was the uh, verse 14, the, the middle part, which it says, which you have learned and been assured of. You've been convinced of. Uh, MacArthur says this, uh, the term or the words have learned means to disciple, and it carries the connotation of intentional learning by inquiry and observation. That Timothy had not learned from Scripture and from Paul incidentally, but by intent. And so, in other words, Timothy pursued after the things of God. He pursued after them. And listen, we must do the same thing. Our pursuance after, the, after God is not a one-time pursuance at the moment of our conversion. No, that may be the start of our pursuing, but our pursuance as a believer is a continuation of that. We should continue to draw nigh unto God, draw near unto God, and He will draw near unto us. You pursue after God as a believer, as a believer, and listen, beloved, you'll grow in your faith. So He tells Timothy, hey, you continue to embrace the authority of Scripture, and then Secondly, continue to embrace the sufficiency of Scripture. Verse 15, he says, which are able, the Scripture is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is, which is in Christ Jesus. And so verse 
verse 15 tells us that the Scriptures have a capacity, they have an ability in and of themselves to make wise, to enlighten unto salvation. And so the context then is the ability of Scripture to do something, to accomplish something. And if it's able to accomplish something, then logically, then it must be sufficient for that task. And so he saw, he's saying that the Word of God makes a person wise unto salvation. It is the Word of God that enlightens the sinner and their need for Christ. But listen, it is not just light that the sinner needs and and is given at the moment of his conversion. The Christian needs to continue to walk in the light and to be guided by the light of the Word. What is the scripture in Psalm 119 where it says, Thy word is a light unto my path, is a light unto my feet. We are not to just, uh, the scriptures are not just the light for the lost. It is a light for the saint. This is why we are to get in the word in these, especially these dark days, in order that we might have the light of scripture enlightened us giving us light, giving us clarity spiritually. And he's saying, Timothy, you continue to believe and to defend upon what you know is biblically true. And the reason you know it is biblically true is because the Scriptures themselves have made you wise. They have enlightened you. But you keep pursuing the Scriptures. You keep pursuing Scriptures because as you pursue them, the more light He gives you, the more light He gives you. Now notice, thirdly, Paul tells Timothy, you continue to depend upon what you know is divinely inspired. You continue to depend upon what you know. You've been convinced of this, Timothy. You have, you've been, you have been assured of this. You've been convinced of this, that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. And so... Timothy was to depend upon the inspired word. Verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, every bit of it is inspired by the Lord. Now that word inspiration means God breathed. It means God breathed. And just as God used His divine breath to breathe life into, into humanity, Genesis chapter 2, He also breathed life into the words of Scripture and empowering the words of Scripture with His authority. You say, but Brother Wade, the Bible was written by men. Yes, you're right. But God worked through those men who penned the words of Scripture. And so divine inspiration involves the superintendence of the Holy Spirit over the human authors, and He's guiding them, He guided them, and directed them as they wrote. And the Holy Spirit then ensured that the writers wrote what God intended for them to write. So all of Scripture is inspired. It is God-breathed Scripture. So depend upon that, Timothy. Depend upon the inspired Word of God. That's what you are to do, beloved. You depend upon God's inspired Word. Secondly, depend upon the instructive Word. Instructive Word. Verse 16 says, And is, the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So he said that the word of God is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for teaching. And so since every word carries the authority of God, it is then intended to instruct and teach believers in matters of faith and practice, in all matters of faith and practice. And then this teaching then that is found in God's word provides for us the guidance that we need and the wisdom that we need. It instructs us. The inspired word instructs instructs us. Now notice thirdly, we are to depend upon the equipping word. The equipping word. Verse 17 tells us that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God has given us, beloved, the means to continue on in the faith. He's saying, Timothy, the reason, number one, you are in the faith is because of the Scriptures. They have made you wise unto salvation. And Timothy, if you're going to continue in the faith, despite all the persecution and the inflictions that's going to come upon you, you're going to have to continue to, to depend upon God's holy word. So God has given us the means to, uh, for us to finish well. He has given us the means to continue in the faith. So I want to encourage you this morning to remain steadfast, to remain faithful, to endure in spite or despite all of the afflictions that we may face in this life. Stay faithful. God has provided you the means to remain faithful. He has given us the means of prayer. He has given us the means of Bible study. He has given us the means of worship, uh, 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 corporate worship, just like we're doing today where uh, we can be exhorted and encouraged and admonished by our brothers and sisters in Christ and hear the Word of God, sing the Word of God, pray the Word of God. You keep doing those things, and those things are a means to keep you enduring in the faith. And you live your life for the glory of God. You live your life, a life that should be characterized by godliness, a life that should be characterized by your faithfulness and your love and your long-suffering. Oh, that we would finish well. Oh, that we would endure, endure and continue for the glory of God. Uh, several years ago, I was attending a conference in Mississippi, and Junior Hill was there and who was a longtime evangelist. He was an older gentleman there at then. He's now with the Lord. He was there, and Jerry Vines was there, a longtime pastor. And I was there when they first saw each other after a long time of, of not being able to see each other. And uh, Jerry just grabbed Junior, Junior Hill and gave him a big hug and said, Junior, how are you doing? It's so good to see you. And Junior Hill, I'll never forget this, and I was just an earshot range of it. He said, Jerry, I'm doing good. I'm just trying to finish well. I'm just trying to finish well. And let me tell you something, that ought to be our goal. I want to finish well. I want to continue to stay on the firing line and finish well. Now, maybe some of you here have, you're not thinking about finishing well because you've not yet first started well. Maybe you're here and you're not in the faith. You've never been saved. You've never come to Christ in salvation. And if that's you, I plead with you to come to Christ today. Repent of your sin. Trust Christ by faith. Believe 
upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and salvation shall be saved. Let's pray together. Our gracious and kind Heavenly Father, Lord, what a privilege it is that you have saved us. You have pulled us out of the miry pit. You have set our feet upon the rock and you've put a song in our mouth. And Lord, we are thankful for salvation But Lord, we're also thankful that we are able to continue in the faith, not because of our strength or our ability, but because of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And Father, I pray that as we as believers would pursue after the things of God. Lord, it's not that we are not great pursuers. It's just that many times as believers... And as Christians in this world, we pursue after the wrong things. And so, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would examine our heart. And, Lord, if there are any areas in our life where we have pursued other things above you, I pray that we would repent of those things and return to our first love. And, Father, I pray again, Lord, for those who are lost, I pray, God, that you would Draw them to your son, Jesus. Lord, may they be able to see and have a long view, an eternal view, not of the short-term view of the possibility of persecution for the believer, but Lord, looking at eternity, the day that will come where every child of God will be in glory with you and every person who has then rejected Christ will be separated from God and in a place called hell. So Lord, give the lost person here the ability then to see the end and then act now and call upon Christ now in salvation. Father, we love you and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.